Daigo has a controller that lets him throw sonic booms really efficiently and the FGC has no idea what to think about it. Plus, we have to wonder if Capcom will be giving us more than just characters for Street Fighter V come Evo. Another balance patch, perhaps? And if they do do a balance patch, they should probably consider nerfing Kami again, and they should definitely consider nerfing Rashid. Mortal Kombat 11 has a very good showing at Combo Breaker. Combo Breaker has a very good showing at Combo Breaker. Punk has showed the middle finger during his very good showing at Combo Breaker, and more on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Okay, 10 points. I did it. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. John Velociraptor Guerrero with him as always. Yep, there we are. Uh, you know, the caffeine, I don't know if it's fully kicked in yet, but we're going to try this anyway and see how we go. And we're going to start it with our favorite topic on the planet. That's Rashid. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I can't. Uh, let me let me tell you guys something, because I'm, um, before we get into Rashid, I'm in a similar boat as you. I'm just getting the caffeine flowing right now. And I made coffee, but it was, uh, you know, every once in a while, you don't use enough water and you use way too much coffee grounds. That happened. So somewhere in the middle of this, if I start talking at like 300 miles per hour, uh, that's what that is. As I'm eating, I'm drinking the, the most strong, blackest coffee I've ever oh, had all before. Right. Hey, that's going to make it very lively and fun then. So Yeah, I'm just going to pop V-Trigger in the middle of this and just go ham yeah. on everything. Afterwards, so. it's not going to be such a good thing. But like during the whole mm-hmm. podcast, like we're looking forward to it now. So Yeah, editing is yeah. going to uh, suck. So we had 10 Rashid players at Combo Breaker Top 128 Street Fighter five uh that is number one uh number one by uh, not a great margin you know birdie is up there next and bison karen all with nine right and then there was you know one alternative like birdie player right so you could say you know technically tied but you know we, we try to break out the uh alternate characters here you try to differentiate if someone's like using someone exclusively and it's not an exactly a you know one-to-one exact science but you know, there it is. Well, so now, 10 Rashids, that sounds like a lot, especially because we've been doing these stories for, wow, two years now, maybe year and a half. And we normally do like top 32, sometimes top 64. So I do want to point out that this is a top 128. So all of the numbers are going to be bigger than what we're used to seeing here. Now, that said, that there's still some significant Rashid action this time around. Right. Uh, top 128 had 10 Rashid players. That's a lot. Uh, we were actually on the edge of potentially having four Rashid players in the top eight. Uh, but JB and John Takauchi, they lost their ninth place matches and, you know, ended up going out of the tournament. Um, but even then, we still had two Rashid players in top eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a character that won Capcom Cup. Uh, his his usage is a top three pretty much at every tournament in 2019. Uh, not, you know, well, I mean, overall, I should say. Not every tournament, but, I mean, he's almost always up there. Uh, when half of your top eight is on the edge of being one character, that is a problem. That is maybe not a Chun-Li season one level problem, but definitely a problem. Um, I'd, like, I'd like to talk to some of the uh, listeners right now directly, because last week we also spoke about Rashid, and we said, hey, but... We pooed on Rashid, uh, as we are prone to do here on this podcast and on Event Hubs proper as well. And there were some reactions to his like, guys, leave Rashid alone. Come on. And uh, and then this happens. So for those that are like, why are you still picking on Rashid? It's because it's because he's there so much. And, and there's a big thing that I should point out here. Like when I I can only speak for myself, but I probably speak for multiple people when I say that when I'm going up against the Rashid, I'm not having 
the most fun. You know, it's 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 not that it's like, oh, here's a good challenge for me to overcome. There is that aspect of it, but like the character is just he's not very fun to engage with uh, in in a lot of different ways. There are some redeeming qualities about him. It's not like it's all just doom and gloom, but that's what we're getting at here when we're like, yeah, we're we're trying to poke holes in the in the Street Fighter 5 boat and um and there are only a few left, but I think Rashid is one of them. So I just wanted to shout that out real quick cuz we got some flack for talking smack about Rashid, but hey, and, look at this. And I can illustrate that and articulate it a little bit more in terms of what issues we're having with. And the big problem with Rashid is, and what we've spoken about, you know, is this corner situation, basically. Yeah. And what that boils down to, to make that maybe hit home a little bit more, is that the consequences for Rashid getting cornered are considerably less than most other cast members in the game. And that leads Rashid players to kind of go, oh, well, you corner me? Eh, who cares? I'm kind of getting a mix-up on this one. Or, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in a bad situation, at least comparative, you know, to, to the rest of the cast members, right? And then also, Rashid has such great corner carry on a lot of his stuff, or... You know, primarily the medium punch spinning mixer, I should say. That's primarily sure. what it is. But he also kind of has great quarter carry altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if he hits you with like an eagle spike or something like that. Yeah. And uh, and also you should say that, you know, if he pops his V-trigger one and, and to an extent V-trigger two, he controls the space and you're moving towards the corner pretty quick. So there are many avenues. Almost all of them lead to the corner. Right. And, and, you know, and the reason how come we haven't poked holes in his V-triggers is basically like that's a lot of characters. A lot of characters, if they're mm-hmm. popping their V-trigger to do that, they're usually pushing you pretty far. And that's fine. Uh, but, you know, what's not fine is getting meterless corner carry uh, that does good damage and sets you up in a great Oki situation and then meterless corner escape. Uh, and oftentimes, like, you're eating a mix up there. And, and that, you know, kind of comes to the heart of it. So it leads to Rashid players kind of going, I'm just going to do this because why not? Because if it works out. It works out great for me because I've got you in the corner now. I'm one of the best corner control characters in the entire game. If it doesn't work out and you corner me, well, I kind of get a free mix-up on that. And and it fundamentally goes against what you and I have talked about a lot, and we're going to get into even more here with another character, is when you have risk-rewards that are very heavily skewed towards dumb gameplay, people in fighting games are going to do it. Like, you know, the infamous saying is like, show me the cheap stuff. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna go use that. You know, show me the, and and why would you not do that? Right? Oh yeah, you don't fault the players for it. Exactly. So uh, anyway, and again, this is, I will keep this in context and just say that Street Fighter Five is a very very well balanced game. And if Rashid is our biggest complaint, that's fine. You know, we we've had it way worse. If you ask me, uh, you know, season one Chun Li even in Street Fighter Five was way worse than this. Um, and a lot of people will say season one Mika, which is probably very correct as well. But uh, there it is. Uh, that's let let me ask you something though, because because we've talked about this a little bit, even the specifics of Rashid and his corner game and, and there thereabouts. But if we were to actually change that and he was no longer able to escape as efficiently, and maybe he didn't also carry you to the corner as efficiently with a spinning mixer. Say you gave him those two significant nerfs, and I don't know exactly how that comes to fruition, but we're playing in fantasy land here, so go with me. Now you do that. How far down the tier list, in your off-the-top-of-your-head opinion, oh, do you boy. think Rashid fill, falls? Okay, if, he's, so. if he's a top three right now, where do you think he ends one. up? Yeah, uh, I. Oh, you think he's the best in the one. game? I think he's the best character in the game. I think this. Uh, he won Capcom Cup. Um, he barely got touched. I think the results show that he's the best character in the game right now. Um, and uh, anyway, so okay, so 
I'm going to answer your question with a bit of a question, but I think it's it's very closely related he, here. He does this all the time. Guys, yeah, I do it way. all the Every time. time. In yeah. work meetings, it's like, I have a question. <laughs> let me let me throw you three more questions. <laughs> That's uh, Yeah, I like people to think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> Not that you don't you know, but anyway. Um, so Seth Killian, back when he was at Capcom, uh, and they were balancing Street Fighter 4, he talked about Vega actually being, right before release, the best character in the game. Hands down, number one. And for those who followed Street Fighter 4, you realize that Vega was eh, pretty crappy throughout most of the game's lifespan. You had a few people do okay with him, but generally speaking, he fell pretty low on the tier list, especially on the initial game that launched. Mm-hmm. And he spoke at that time and said, look, like you tweak one move like a frame or two, and that could be the difference between a character being top tier and being bottom tier. And we saw it with Vega. Yes. So to answer your question here, that is something I I try to be very, very, very careful about in terms of when I'm tweaking this stuff, I usually like very soft adjustments with any character that's pretty good but not dominating uh and then if the character's like really bad like a fong or you know a vega in street fighter 5 like i'm I'm like put some pretty heavy tweaks on there and you know risk the chance of messing up um but i mean they're so bad anyway it's like it's worth the risk right and if they end up great you know patch them out with a a 0.5 patch so that's my overall philosophy and i generally stay to that with rashid my thought process is that this character is so good in many other respects that I think a lot of the bandwagon Rashid fans are going to fall off with him and not do nearly as well. And the character is going to fall off a bit, but he's probably going to fall out of the top one spot, probably to top 10 range. Yeah. Um, I think he'll have a similar fall that Minot and Abigail did. Well, eh, Abigail's a much heavier fall, if you ask me, even though he's still pretty solid. I mean, we saw him in Grand Finals, um, you know, uh, Problem X, one, uh, you know, a three oh set like blindingly click with with Abigail. Like he's still mm-hmm. a, a good enough character to compete. Um, he's just not tournament like high end. I think he has his good and bad matchups, and they're pretty polarizing. There you go. So I would I would equate the Rashid change to more like I believe it will fall more in line with where, where Minot is at. You've seen a lot of people drop the character, uh, and you know that speaks to how difficult she is to play in a number of things. Um, but she's still up there, and you're still seeing Sako. Like, Sako has every chance of winning the tournament just like anyone else out there, right? It's probably a little harder for him now, but he still has a legitimate shot. I, I see Rashid following that same kind of trajectory. And do you still have fun with Manat? Oh, when you oh play yeah, her? she's amazing. Yeah, it's it's the, her, her biggest weakness is she's not Rose. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. And so... Picture with me for a moment that this kind of change does happen to Rashid, and he ends up dropping to closer to like the seventh best in the game sort of range. You imagine a Street Fighter V now where nothing else has been changed, but Rashid has fallen down to around seventh best in the game. How big, I mean, and I'm not really talking to Rashid players right now, but you know this is damn true. How big of a sigh of relief do you go like, yeah, that's a much better landscape. That's a much better atmosphere. That is a Street Fighter V with a rough edge. Again, not breaking the game, but a rough edge sanded down, and it's just that much better of an experience. And I think that's what we're going for here when we talk about all of these things. It's it's important to separate what's like emergency needs to be changed right now because the world's on fire sort of approach to things and what we think would just make the game better. Right. And and that's, you know, getting into another issue that I'll bring up here in a second. And I will just say I, I played uh, Street Fighter V ranked uh, yesterday. And I ran into an ultra diamond Rashid player, you know, pretty decent amount of points. You know, he knew some of what he was doing. 
Um, but we got to the very end of the match, and he hit stand heavy kick four or five times. And I'm not going to blow the player's name up, but if you guys want to go back and watch the replay, you can see it. And literally, you can watch him just doing stuff throughout the entire match. Um, not really reading what I'm going to do. He's just like, you know what? I'm just going to do this and kind of hope it works out. And and I hit him with stand medium punch. Like, you know, not stand medium punch is amazing. Hit him with four, four or five of them, you know, to close him out and, and piece him out. You know, and it was just like, dude... You played like such an idiot, and yet you got really <laughs> far from doing this. And that is inherently a problem with the character is that he does not reward thoughtful play enough. Um, and again, that the very, very high end. It's not like I'm looking at you know John Takauchi or Gacha Kun and going, oh, you scrubs are like Is it, is it like that JD. he doesn't reward thoughtful play, or is that he does reward not thoughtful play, and so therefore you can avoid, you don't have to exactly. participate in thoughtful play? Better said than I could have. I- exactly my point there. And, and so you're seeing a lot of players get buy with the cheap stuff you know like hey well i don't really have to learn this game or do much to you know think about it i can just pick rashid and go for it you know and and that's kind of a problem with the character and it's great that we're having this conversation as we've said before it's great that we've gotten down to such a fine level with the balance uh sorry fong alex players vega players my apologies uh Pick someone else. You know, suck, bro. Yeah, your life sucks, and that's kind of the history of your characters. There's but. a novelty. You know what? We wouldn't have exactly the same kind of Demon Dan videos on. You know, with the Alex comeback, they wouldn't have the same sort of ma to him. Yeah, if Alex exactly. wasn't so low tier, so he's a low tier hero now, and we wouldn't have many other way. So you're saying wins are extra satisfying with that character. That's what it is, yes. And also we all go to the same character select screen, guys, and all of those little cliches. Um, So actually, but I will get into actually, you know, let's let's address that for players out there. How does this stuff fix that right and you so you take a character like Rashid who's highly oppressive in a number of his matchups this is you know in my opinion the best character in the game Um, probably his worst case scenario is top three Uh, I think personally worst case is top two but hey whatever Um, when you take a character and you knock them down a few levels from that everyone else gets collectively better That's that sigh of relief thing, man. It's like the Alex players with their four-frame jab and no reversal options go, well, life's still hard, but hey, the sun is peeking through just a little bit more through that turbulent wind haboob, right? Because Rashid's not quite as good as he was. Right. So... Yeah, people might be wondering how can we hit the top tier so much? You know, obviously they're on our radar very heavily from the tournament scene. But again, and, you know, like why aren't you talking about improving Fong? You know, and, and again, they've got a good point. And but my point is like, look, if we take care of Rashid, basically, I don't know, every character gets better from that. It's but helpful a lot for the of whole characters. cast. Yeah, that is helpful for everyone. Yeah, and and so that's why a lot of focus is put there. Um, so, and it really does depend on how oppressive the top tier is. I just, you know, I, I do want to speak to that because um, people might say, okay, like, you know, well, Manat, like, did she deserve a nurse? And I say 100% yes, because there's a, a transition period where a character is good and a, a point where they're so oppressive, they are basically filtering out other characters from the equation because those characters have no shot at competing with them. Mm-hmm. And, and that happens sometimes when you get like characters that are so very strong. And, and you might hear me like, okay, well, how about Karen and how about Urian and all that? And I look at those characters and I say, you know what? Their rewards are properly balanced with their risk right now. And given the the whole ecosystem of Street Fighter V, I don't feel robbed or cheated, even when Urian used to be very much a hardcore robbery character. It's like, usually you're, you're getting outplayed by him. And yeah, he has some scrubby stuff he goes to, but you're not feeling highly oppressed, like, I can't play Alex because Urian exists, right? I've never heard that that quote before. I have heard that about Rashid, I've heard it about Akuma, and I've heard it about Kami. Yeah. 
So getting into that, I, I do want to address here another elephant, I think, in the room, and, and that is Cammy. And uh, I still think she's a very big problem in the scheme, even though she didn't show up hard in Combo Breaker. And why, why I'm going into this is... <laughs> Usage-wise, like since the start of 2019, she has gone down from dominating the entire usage-like stats that we run. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, in, in the previous season, it was a shock when someone else beat Cammy. I want to say about 95% of the stories ran with, with usage. Cammy was the number one character, and sometimes by several steps above everyone else. She's still, a, in my opinion, a top three character usage-wise. I'm not 100% sure tiers-wise where I put her there, but, but there it is. And the reason how come I have such an issue with that, even though she's not winning tournaments, and I get this, is, is right now she might be the most basic character in the entire game to play. And in terms of how good she is, the execution requirements and approaches she has... I think that's continually reflected in her usage at tournaments. So yeah, she's not winning everything, but she's so easy to play. She's knocking other characters out of the ranks, basically. And if you have an easy character to play in this game, or any fighting game for that matter, if you have a very easy character to play who's very strong, why would I learn any other character at that point? Why? It's like, okay, I can I can go learn uh, Sakura. Um that's fine. I could go do that, but why would I do that when Cammy's even easier to play and better than her? Sure, and, and that's the least resistance. Yes, and, and and that's where I even mark a huge difference between Rashid and Akuma in this equation. Even though they're doing better and their results back it up, and their usage is, is typically better than Cammy. Again, Cammy is about third overall. Those characters are harder to play than Cammy. And I know, like, Rashid, shocker, like, he's harder to play. It's like, yeah, if you look at some of the, the air combos and some of the setups that he has to do, I wouldn't call them a not level, you know, but, I mean, you're having to put in some effort, some timing, some execution stuff. Like, I see John Takauchi do some stuff with Rashid I don't see anyone else do. And I say, okay, like, I see in kind of an upper level limit there. With Kami, um, again, she is probably the easiest character in the game to play who's that good. You know, it, it is, and it's really heavily skewing people to just pick her up and play her. Because why would you not? Like, I don't want to get that invested in Street Fighter Five. I don't want to have to actually use my brain and, and have to go into training mode for a while. So I'm just going to pick Cammy and do really well with her. And it's like, so mm -hmm. what are the easy aspects of her gameplay that are, that are so? Um, what are the okay? So the the biggest standout things is like all of her normals linking into each other. Uh, it's very easy hit confirms from her on almost all of her normals. Uh, it's ridiculous how easy those link into each other and then her v trigger is easy mode jump up in the air and do a dive kick and the other person's you know uh negative 10 and you, you got all day to do it two bar v trigger it's super easy to use uh and most characters don't have a good counter for it in the slightest it's mm -hmm. one of the easiest v triggers to use you're pretty much jumping and, and doing a move and you've got an amazing situation with the character I don't think she's a problem, as I've said before, but I think that you could definitely make her more difficult to play, and that would certainly do something to exactly what you're talking about right now. Uh, if she's still capable of the things that she does now, but you have to have a little more um, tact in your approach, that would be a valid change that if it happened, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't go, oh, that's, that's wrong, or that's, that's too much, or anything along those lines. Um, especially when it's coming to Callie, and, and this is or from Cammy, and this is coming from an Akali player, right? So, uh, <laughs> arguably the an easier character to play, but perhaps not as good of a character. I, actually, right? I think so. Cammy's even easier to play than Akali. I, well, that's I, the uh, nicest thing you've ever said. <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, though, if you go into training mode and you can see it's like Nikali's actually got link combos. He's got things you got to string together. Um, he's not technical 
Um, but that is how ridiculously easy Cammy is to play in this game. And I think all of us, um, uh, the three, uh, you know, main editorial people for Street Fighter Five on our staff, that would be uh, Dream King, you and me. We all went in there with Cammy. Are like this character is super easy to play after messing with her in training mode quite a bit. You know, my, my biggest issue with her is just that she can go to the air and have so many different kind of approaches to cut things short, and that pairs with her um, her really good pressure as you were getting to earlier. And she's like a rush down character, right? So I'm okay with her having pressure um, and we've kind of dug into it further and my my like general takeaway from it was that it wasn't overpowered relative to the other characters that are rushed down in the game that's my opinion but i think that if it were harder for her to access that that would be what you would want to um, go in for like that would be the place where you make cammy harder to play is like harder to get to the place where she thrives mm-hmm. um, and and so there it's like and I think a big part of that is something to do with the way she can hooligan in and more specifically, or, or even more so, I should say, with her dive kicks and being plus in certain situations. You mentioned V-Trigger. Now, V-Trigger, she only gets two, and their V-Triggers are kind of broken to begin with. So I can that goes down okay for me. But if you were going to change her, I would change something in, in how precise she has to be with dive kicks or she is either <clears throat> at more disadvantage or even punishable because of the way she does it and and i mean i don't even know that the dive kicks necessarily broken right now but if i were going to change something and make her harder to play i would just have her be more specific with those and where she places them yeah and, and mine as we've discussed before is push back on normals you know i think that stand light kick and crouching medium punch should push back a little further than they do right now and i think that would alleviate a number of her highly oppressive issues but again it's the stuff is hard um mike z uh skull girls um he flat out said like yeah, he's a uh, he's got a pretty high opinion of himself i will just say and even he has flat out admitted that game balancing is really hard to do uh, i have yet to run across anyone uh in fighting game history that's a developer and works on these games that says oh yeah fighting game balance that's easy you know it, it is universally something everyone says and i've talked to developers that pretty much most companies, you know, around. Um, and, and they, they have over the years just, yeah, this is really hard to do. And, and, and they spend a lot of time and a lot of money trying to get it where it's at. Um, so, you know, so we, we debate about it quite a bit too. We're trying to unpack, you know, as best we can, what we think will do it. Um, and, and there it is. But uh, last thing here, I, I want to speak on, on, on the subject of why I think Cammy still needs nerfs despite her performance and People are like, okay, so what's the problem with having a character that's not as high execution, right? They're, if they're not getting the results, who really cares about that? And, and it goes back to, again, uh, I play Monat, so there is there has to be a reward for playing a high execution character or why play them at all. And yeah. usually that reward is is like they're usually very powerful in the right hands. And you look at Sako's Monat and you say, okay, that might be the highest potential character in the entire game when he pops V-Trigger 1 and what he does with it. And he's insane. And he's you know taken like 15 college courses on how to play Monat, you know, at that level <laughs> or whatever, right? Um there's a reward for him waiting uh, to be discovered because he's put in that time and effort. Uh, she still has weaknesses. She still has issues. She's not dominating the tournament scene. Um, that's that's got, taken a long time and a lot of effort to get there. And when you don't have that and you have a character that can take a ton of shortcuts to get to that point, why not just play that character? You know, and, and so we, you know, that is that is a huge argument against execution being low for a, a, a character like Cammy. And, and having him be that good. And, and I'll actually cite Nikali here. Nikali's execution, as we've talked about, is fairly low. But the character's in a pretty good spot because he's around like the 10 to 15 range. I think you agree with that in this game, right? Yeah. Somewhere around there. And that's fine. He just won a tournament. Hey, that's great. Uh, mm-hmm. No real objections to that. He's not 
highly oppressive as a character. I have yet to see in this season or last season someone say, oh man, Nikali, like I just can't play against that character. Even Abigail, who, you know, we, we kind of disputed that matchup. Like even then it was like, it was still playable, right? We just had to, you know, download and get a little further along and, and figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. Where on the other hand, Cammy, I still hear people complain about that character and say, I just can't even play my character because of this stupid character and this stupid character. You have to, have to add some like stank on that one, right? But <laughs> so, and that is the big difference here that I'm trying trying to get at of why I feel so passionate about that, that character still being an issue. Well, and, and one of, you use the Nikali example, one of the big things that did make him an issue in the eyes of a lot of people in the earlier seasons was his anti-air jab. And he wasn't the only one with it, but he had a damn good anti-air jab. Not only that, he, you know, you jumping in at Nikali and him doing that to you puts you in a mix-up, right? Because he could left-right you, and he also has a command grab. So there was a ton of reward for him pressing a three-frame button that basically almost hit by behind his head and the the issue with that is I, I like the progression here of what they ended up doing when they got rid of that it wasn't that Nikali didn't have an answer there it wasn't that he didn't have an anti-air but it's that you had to resort now to DP um, I mean you could certain situations you can use other normals but your go-to anti-air now is DP and more than that depending on how high the person is or how far above the above your head and into a cross up they are you might use heavy dp you might use light dp because one's faster one has more invincibility things along those lines but his anti-air game went from i just have to press a three-frame button that i can easily react with it's 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 immediately out there too i have to do an input and know which side you're going to be on or cross cut because you know, shortcuts and whatnot. But it it was still like a similar result. Nikali could still anti-air you from jumping, but he didn't get nearly as much reward and it wasn't nearly as, um, as easy to do. And that felt balanced, right? That went from a place of, I'm getting way too much from, for this and, and, and having to put way too little to a, a place of good risk reward. So that's what you want. You don't want to necessarily change what the character can eventually or can ultimately do, but you want to make it worthwhile for both parties playing to do, you know, the things that they're supposed to and, 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 and all that. But I also wanted to ask, like, if you're Capcom right now, we're talking about all these potential balance changes and we're we're almost halfway through. Gosh, we're almost halfway through 2019, everybody. Ugh. But do you think another balance patch is even on, like in the discussion right now for Street Fighter V? Yeah, and uh, that's actually a great question. And, and that gets us into our next subject. And that would be um, uh, what do we think is coming at Evo in August, right? Yeah. Um, and I personally think that it makes a lot of sense like to have the the 4.5 patch come in the middle of the season. I always kind of felt that, that them having it like at the early part of the year was maybe not the best look for the game. Um, have it right after Evo, right? That's where Evo and, and Capcom Cup are kind of like the two major events in the FGC, you know, kind of throughout. So you're, you're having it pretty close to, you know, they're not quite six months apart, but, you know, close enough to it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So I personally feel like it would be very much needed. I mean, especially even if they just give some quality of life buffs to, you know, characters like Fong, Alex, Vega, like give those players something more to work with. Um, that should be pretty much like an automatic, a given every time they touch the game until those characters finally get up to the point where they're doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I personally feel like the game could really use it. Um, I think watching Combo Breaker and some of this other stuff, like maybe Rashid wasn't as glaring of a problem, you know, um, like when we first started off the year. And I think now he's really risen to the top of the the, the problem areas of the game. Um, and yeah, so I'd like to see it there personally. I just, I don't know how big of a spot Street Fighter V has on Capcom's desk right now. I don't know how big of a priority, how much of their focus and their attention goes to it. 
it, it, I mean, they're still doing it. They're talking about esports and how much they want to invest in that. And right now, Street Fighter V is kind of their only avenue, but who knows what they have on the horizon and what they might be um, getting ready to release or investing in right now. But, I, I mean, maybe they care about it. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're just like, oh, we have other stuff going on, but we were supposed to put a few characters out, so let's go back and do that real quick. Maybe they're just like, oh, my gosh, we need to do everything we can to make Street Fighter V like, you know, last year or two real strong, have a, give it a real good send-off. But I don't know is the point. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't know or don't even have a, a basic inclination as to how Capcom feels about the game here at this point in time, here at the end of May in 2019... I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know if they think that a balance patch is the right way to go. I don't know if they're going to give us a character or two. I don't know if they're going to give us a bunch of Chun-Li costumes. I, I, I have no idea what's going on. So it's hard for me to guess. Like I, I would like to see another balance patch. I think that would be fun. Um, but how many other things do they have in the priority list? Because I don't think that that's a huge priority. And so I, I'm... I'm not. I'm reserved about it. I don't think it's going to happen. I'll be pleasantly surprised if it does. All right. So, so I'm going to uh, ask you now. Do you think we're getting anything more than characters at Evo? Because that, that's pretty much like the given right now. Uh, and uh, let me double check and see if you agree with that. Do you think we're getting characters at Evo? I think that every character in the game is getting a Chun Li costume, like where they look like Chun Li. <laughs> it's this huge Chundle bundle, but it's for all the Chundle other characters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, real talk, yeah, you think real we're talk, characters? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would imagine it's probably some. Okay, if it's one character. Everyone just kind of goes, yeah, fine, whatever. If it's two characters, at least it's up to the caliber of what happened last year. And that's still, given that we haven't had much else, uh, that's still kind of like, man, we were hoping for more because this is all you've given us, right? And expectations are high. If it's like four characters and we have something like Ultra, you know, like Ultra Street Fighter 4 where they brought in all the new characters at once and, and who knows, maybe like an extra mechanic or a tweak to a mechanic, something like that. That's more in the realm of what I think it would need to be to have a to to really be just it or just I suppose to serve, yeah. So that's where I think we're kind of standing as far as what we are going to get. Again, I don't know what they're thinking, but I'm gonna play it safe and say we get two characters. Okay. Do you think we're gonna get anything beyond that for the game, like at all? What 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 odds would you say that there is that we're gonna get something else, and then what would you say it would be? I mean, if they had new characters and a new update and all of these big plans, those are big deal plans, right? So if you're doing that, you know well ahead that you're doing it. You have a schedule for it. You have a plan. And I don't feel like part of that plan when you have that many big things on the table is going dark for six months with those big things. It's, it's to me, if, as I try to figure out where Capcom is, I go, well, my, my, the, the bits of evidence that I actually have are how they've conducted themselves with this over the last six months or so. And so, I mean, you wouldn't, I feel like they don't have their stuff together and so that they're just kind of clamoring to eventually get some stuff out there. But I, I, and I don't know why they're in that situation, but I don't think that they're um, ready and just like going to comfortably release stuff. I think they're trying to get stuff together and they're in a more of a chaotic place with street fighter 5 and its development whatever's going on right now so 
if that's the case, I don't expect it to be a big overhaul thing because otherwise, you know what, keep us satisfied with a little bit of that, like a trickle effect, you know, release a character or, or two over the six months. And then, you know, at Evo, it's like the, the mechanic change or whatever it is, a big balance change, whatever, whatever ordering you want to do with those things. But to hold them all together while your fan base just, their, their thought of you just kind of continues to shrink and shrink and you're just sitting on all of these things, I don't think that's what you do. So I yeah. don't think there's going to be a lot. I have a theory on that one, which we'll get into here in just a second. But I, I'll I'll just say that I highly doubt that that we're getting much more than you know balance changes in characters. I think that's what we're going to get at Evo. Um, I think around the range of two to three, uh, potentially like I think four is probably the upper limit. I think they have to save something for Capcom Cup or a little bit further down the road, maybe Tokyo Game Show. Um, but I think they've moved on to Street Fighter Six and Marvel Four. You know, I think yeah. it's where their head is at. Um, if they had a new story mode ready to go, um, it's better to put that into Street Fighter V than not release it at all. But story modes take a lot oh of work. Gosh. They take a lot of work to put into them. And Capcom, uh, they, they missed the original deadline of their initial story mode with Street Fighter V's right. launch because of how much work that takes to do. And, and kind of like I look at this stuff, I'm trying to like speculate on what we might see, like what else they could kind of have in there, as you you know mentioned mechanics and all that kind of stuff. Um the only you know reason I even think about this one is is you know because of Xcura saying like hey there's another you know story mode that's kind of like out there that they're working on, um, I just anything like that I, I kind of feel like nah we've moved on like I feel I, like they would get ripped to shreds if they release a new story mode mm-hmm. if we found out that they were spending their time and development hours doing that but it's like it's cool we'll have a story mode no problem and a second story mode great because that's another bell or whistle on the whole thing. But when there are these other things that are so much more urgent, and again, it's not that we have to have DLC characters, but the expectation and and the want for DLC characters, especially amongst the competitive crowd, and there's I think a lot more competitive people playing than there are general people or the you know ones that are caring about this that are talking about these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you did a story mode right now, people would just look at them like what have you been doing? Why would you do this? Why are you so out of touch? It would be a yeah. really bad look. I'll jump in there and just say that that is what the FGC probably would say to some extent, but there's a lot of people who play these games for, for single-player content, right? And we've talked about it endlessly with the game doing so poorly for sales and then picking up a lot once they had some single-player content in there. So I get why they might be looking there. I just I chalk it up as unlikely, unlikely because of how much effort it takes to pull this off. Um mm-hmm. NRS has spoken about this and say, like, I mean, they have almost, uh, not an entire separate team, but they have a, a team dedicated to the story mode of it, right? Um, and I'm sure they work on other content out there, but just hearing them talk about the effort they put into it was just like, wow. Okay, that's impressive, and now I understand how come your single-player content is, like, generally considered the best in the business um, for fighting games and, and what you're doing and why the Capcom, you know, iterations we've seen have not been that great, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I I put it as a possibility that Capcom could have allocated those resources there, but why not put that into Marvel 4 or Street Fighter 6 at that point, right? I think that's what everybody's hoping for at this point. Right. So one thing I will throw out there as a potential thing that does make sense and actually makes sense for future-wise is a netcode improvement. If you understand that your netcode has some fundamental ways that could be improved, and I think that everyone can say, yeah, there, there should be some improvements we can make there. Um, I think we've seen other modern fighters come out. Mortal Kombat 11 comes to mind, where the net the netcode generally seems to be better. 
why not put that into Street Fighter V, make it kind of a beta test <laughs> for um, Street Fighter VI and Marvel IV, um, and put out a better iteration of the code, basically. And I think that is a possibility. I wouldn't say it's likely, because again, I think they're really moving on from the game. That's, you know, they've only promised support up through this year. Um, that's, you know, been very much our, our opinion here. Uh, I think that if we're going to see anything, I think that that is a, a fairly high list item. But But what do you think? You know, if I'm trying to picture Ono getting up there and revealing a, a netcode boost, mm-hmm. and I think that that would, be, that would be huge. I think it would be good. It wouldn't be what we're necessarily expecting, but I don't think people would be upset. Even those that, that aren't specifically looking for that would go, yeah, but this is a very good acknowledgement, and it's time well spent because everyone cares about this. And if they, if they package the reveal in a way where they say, not only is this something that we're going to be using for Street Fighter V moving forward, but this is, like you said, a beta test, or this is indicative of what's you're going to, uh, what we're going to be doing with Street Fighter VI or whatever, or our future fighting games. They could even say, and and you're you're sowing seeds at that point. That feels like a really good investment. That feels like something that people would be very happy to hear. That's what's this is what Capcom has been working on. This is worth my time. Um, of, of waiting and, and expecting and all of that. So it would be different. It would be odd. It wouldn't have all the glitz and gold and glamour that a new character would have. But I do think that it would be a ultimately well-received and a respected choice. Maybe you do that as the cherry on top and you also have some glamour because you kind of need that. So, uh, you know, Honda and then also Netcode fix, that would be great. And that... Yeah, that would be really cool. That's something that I don't think a lot of people are expecting. So you'd also have that surprise factor. So uh, Capcom, do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I do want to go back here to this period of silence that we've had. And I, I want to talk about it overall, like how we feel about it right now. Um, but I do want to offer, before we get started here, a potential explanation of why this this period of silence happened, right? Um, beyond what we've already discussed. And, and what we've already discussed, to very quickly recap, would be... Um, Capcom is doing things differently. Uh, they don't want to do a season pass. They don't want to do a bunch of the stuff that we don't know how many characters are coming. There's a bunch of things going down the pipeline. The game's support is officially ending very soon. Um, are more than likely, we should say, right? I shouldn't say officially, but we think yeah. that's happening. Um, that, those are all, all the kind of reasons we've speculated about, about the lack of communication. But one thing we, we've touched on very lightly and I want to get into now is... Capcom knew that Smash Ultimate was coming in December. They also knew that Mortal Kombat 10, I I believe they had some idea of this, had sold almost 11 million copies. Uh, And Smash Ultimate, for people who don't know, has sold close to probably 14 million units right now. Hmm. That is not good. That's freaking amazing. Like Capcom (laughs) with Monster Hunter sold like 10 million copies and that was their best-selling game of all time. All time, ever. And... So they're looking at that and they're looking at that window and saying, hey, you know what? Maybe, just maybe we shouldn't release our DLC characters during this time period because, you know, the FGC is not known for deep pockets and people are going to buy uh, these other two games. We know for sure because they're selling, you know, 14 and 11 million copies. Um, Those are insanely heavy hitters. Maybe we should just kind of go away and go radio silent and just you know, not do some DLC for a while while these other games, you know, they have their, their time in the limelight. Like, what do you think of that? Is that realistic or am I completely on crack over here? Well, I can see how it makes sense. But as I think about it, too, I don't think that that's ultimately the choice that you go with, even if it's something that you consider. 
I mean, the, you could make that argument at almost any time with gaming in general. If you take a step even further back and say, well, Red Dead Redemption 2 just came out. Maybe we shouldn't do, oh, but before that it was, you know, God of War just came out. Or There's always a reason why people might be spending their money elsewhere. And I think it's a better approach to say we're just going to knock these guys out of the park as opposed to um, get out of their way. Because while Street Fighter certainly isn't as popular as those other games in the general public, it has a novelty about it. And it, it has a fighting chance to... Um, you know, to grab the limelight, at least within the FGC. And, uh, and so if that's their approach, like, again, I get it why, why you, you know, might go there and why you'd consider it. But I, I would hope that that's not what they're thinking, because I just that just kind of sounds bad through and through, like as, as, as policy to avoid. Gotcha. So getting into it now, uh, before we, you know, kind of cap off uh, this part of the Street Fighter Five discussion is, are you okay with the communication level with where Street Fighter Five is at, and you did the story recapping it, right? You got the quotes from Matt Edwards, you got the quotes mm-hmm. from Ono. You've went through it all and did a, a, a brand new, fresh take on on everything that we pretty much have had happen since Capcom Cup. And, and where do you feel like we're at right now? Has this been enough? Like we know it was, you know, very problematic like before, but right now, are you okay? Um, no, I, I I'm not. The world isn't on fire. I can do something else with my time, and I can still play Street Fighter from time to time. Uh, but it's at like a, a 70% or maybe less, that might be generous, of what it could be in the eyes of the community right now. And that a huge part of that is just the way they've set things up and knocked them down. And it sucks because Capcom's the one that gets to put the pins up in the first place and then bowl them over. And they just are not good at doing that yet, at least not with Street Fighter. Um, so, But with all of that's been said or that hasn't been said, no, some of the stuff that's come out has been like little teases and such, and that would be okay if we were actually getting things and stuff. If that were just kind of hammocking like legitimate hint or reveal to legitimate hint or reveal, then that would be cool. Like the stuff that Matt Edwards says, like, oh, uh, you're going to like it. It's coming. Uh, yeah, and, and then the same with Ono. It's It's... It's like, why we're, we're talking about it. We're doing it. We're all like, yeah, of course you're doing it. I mean, well, maybe you're not because it's been so long that we're not even sure that you're doing it anymore. But we're all still suspecting that you're doing it. I don't think we've gotten any actual information. It's just been that these very, very small things have shown up like like they're, they're gold mines because of how sparse all the other information is. So we're grabbing at straws and anything that comes up from anyone official that might even smell like a hint towards something with Street Fighter, we're in immediately just jumping on it and, and it, it seems much bigger than it is. But, you know, even these little things like, well, we're going to have a trail of breadcrumbs before it comes and you're going to really like it and this this story of Street Fighter's not over and I've been we've been talking about it. None of that stuff actually does anything that's all of course you're doing that so so no i'm, I'm not really down with it mm-hmm. I, for me you know in being in the fgc for as long as i have uh, we did the math and it's like 28 years now which oh boy i'm, I'm dating myself hardcore you guys can now guess mm-hmm. my age with ease but um anyway uh to me this is the status quo and, and i'm okay with it because I, i've been over it you know so many times and and i look at what ono's doing it's like you know what i i think that in about 65 days, which is when Evo's at, uh, when it starts up, it's about two months away. Um, we're going to see some combination uh, of Ehonda, Rose, and Sodom you know, come to the game. Those are the most likely characters that we have uh, in the pipeline. It might just be one of them. It might be none of them. You know, we'll see. 
um, I'm good with that. You know, I'm probably extra hype, you know, for the possibility of Rose and, and, you know, I'm ready to, you know, be let down again, but we'll see. Um, I'm good with that. You know, Ono's putting out the hints about, you know, the World Warrior, um, all that kind of stuff. That is something that I can work with and and work off of, like, for me. It's it's what I'm used to, right? So yeah, is but it, it's not, but it's not 28 years ago. It's 2019. Right. And communication and, and practices and development with video games, all those landscapes have evolved and changed, and expectations have evolved and changed. And there's still some slack to give, but the way that they've done it, given this landscape, given that they've had... 30 years of experience doing these kinds of things and they've seen the whole thing evolve right in front of them they've been in the middle of it the whole time they've been uh, leading yeah it for this the most was part. yeah yeah the, yeah exactly the torch bearing it man but they're they're blazing that trail uh but they so so i hold them in if anything into a higher responsibility and regard here and and so to see them not do it is just like a, an even bigger like, like i get it this is how it used to be done but like you're gonna here's what it is this is what i ultimately am afraid of is that all these other games like tekken and dragon ball and and you know all of the other games that are out there right now smash are just growing and thriving and this is a wonderful time for the fgc yes and but it's but it's not really a wonderful time for street fighter it's like it's an okay time for street fighter like street fighters here yeah cool but we all know that it could be much better and, uh, and so what I was getting at, though, is that all these other titles and, and franchises and games might, you know, <laughs> rise up over Street Fighter during Street Fighter V, and, and it might lose its spot. And maybe, who knows how far it falls with, with practices like this when you have so many other options going on around you. So I don't want to see the franchise that I love the most um, fall from, from where it's at, especially not if it was because of its own faltering as opposed to the others just doing really well. I'm really happy to see the others doing really well. The FGC is, like I said, thriving in some really good ways, but I don't want to see Street Fighter fall off while all these others, you know, and, and, and then their success further put more dirt on that, you know, so. Yeah. Hey, we, we talked about this behind the scenes in terms of this might be the most successful the FGC has ever been. And if you just look at the, you know, two examples we brought up of Smash Ultimate and then Mortal Kombat 10, not even 11 yet, but I know 11 has done very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, those two games alone, like the sales of them are ridiculous. Not good, like ridiculously strong. And that alone, you know, with the the Pro Tours on top of that, like everyone's doing those now, um, you start looking at all these factors, like our FGC scene in itself, like we've done so very well, um, going stuff on like up on Twitch, you know, the Twitter updates, of course, our website, um, all those type of things, like they, we've really evolved so much as a community. Um, and again, you, you can say like, have we ever been stronger than this? And, and my, you know, thought right now is no, you know, this is the strongest we've ever been in the fighting game community. And as you say, it kind of sucks that that Capcom is still at that uh, 28 years ago, you know, kind of level and approach with stuff. And I, I definitely not the entire way, right? Like, they clearly do a lot of great stuff. The Pro Tour is a heavy, heavy, great example. Uh, Capcom USA has great people there. Um, there are some other places at their company that are not as with it, it seems like, right? And yeah. you kind of wonder why those issues continue to to permeate throughout their company. Um, and, and, you know, we have some answers to that, which we'll get into some other time. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a little disappointing, but I, I'm more optimistic than you are. I f- again, I feel like, yeah, this has worked in the past. It's not ideal. It's not great, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm like, this is, you know, it's Capcom status quo. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, this has held up good enough for us and it i'm i'm good with good enough so 
That's good. I hope you're right. I hope that <laughs> it's a more optimistic outcome than I'm than I'm you know kind of letting on right now. Gotcha. So let's get into it now. Uh, Sonic Fox has done something really unusual for him. He lost at an NRS game at Combo Breaker. Uh, <laughs> he he rarely loses at NRS games anywhere. Uh, but you went in depth on this. Like, well, what did you he, see? He actually hasn't won an NRS game at Combo Breaker. Is mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. Last year he took Dragon Ball Fighters in glorious fashion against Goichi. And, uh, and of course, there's the storied history of, it's really, it's only been like four years or so of Sonic Fox really being in the limelight and doing everything that he's done. So all those accomplishments that you're kind of thinking of as you think of Sonic Fox, it's all in four years. And, and yeah, he's been by far the strongest NRS player through the Injustice games, through the Mortal Kombats. And with Mortal Kombat 11, he won um, the two NLBCs that he participated in, and then he went to Summit of Time, and he won that. And he also won the he won it winners, and he also won the random select, you know, there. So, sure enough, it's the dominant Sonic Sonic Fox that we've always seen. But at Combo Breaker, he wound up uh, losing fairly early. Well, it's always early for Sonic Fox to lose, but I think it was in like the top twenty four. He faced off with Tweety, and Tweety ha- has been uh, he's he's one of the best. Mortal Kombat players around, or NRS players around, I should probably say, and uh, and there was some recent controversy with him before some of the time and whatnot, and and but I think he's kind of put that behind him, and and he's starting to um, have his you know public identity more about what he's done recently, and that's of course beat Sonic Fox very convincingly in tournament. Now um, and, and before I go too far, Sonic Fox did ended up did end up beating Tweety later on, and Tweety ended up in third place. Um, and Sonic went from there and lost Scar in the grand finals. But I wanted to specifically look at the Tweety matchup because uh, when they played, Tweety was playing Baraka, and um, Sonic Fox started with Jackie Briggs. And traditional Mortal Kombat, I, I, I like to say that like NRS games have been more the checkers to Street Fighter's chess in terms of there's a lot more dial in the combo and do the the really offensive thing and hope that your opponent or guess that your opponent's going to block low when you go high and use the armored moves. And I've said as much on the podcast before. I, I also think that Street Fighter V is probably the most checkersy Street Fighter we've had so far and that Mortal Kombat 11 is the most chessy Mortal Kombat we've had so far, but they're still vo- both very much Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat respectively. Anyways, and I had to jump in and just say I could not disagree with you more. At yeah, least I know on the you love yourself some Street anyway, Fighter Five. Yeah, please yeah. continue. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, though, uh, and and I should also say that Street Fighter Five was a lot more checkersy earlier on. A lot of changes mm-hmm. have made it a much more legitimate in in that respect. And I shouldn't say legitimate because I don't think that Mortal Kombat is wrong. I don't think that it's bad. I think it's different, and and that's an important um, you know distinction to make. But this Mortal Kombat is much more. Uh, well, more slowed down, more footsies based, and that's exactly how Tweety beat Sonic Fox. Hmm. So one, yes, uh, Sonic Fox lost here, and he's he's never he hasn't won a combo breaker for an NRS game, which is fun. The the, the story lives on, but as far as his match with Tweety goes, uh, he starts with Jackie Briggs, and th- I think the reason why he picked Jackie is because um, Tweety plays Baraka uh, or has a Baraka, one of his mains. I think he also plays Garrus. And she can fall out of one of his uh, chop chop move and then end up punishing it. And I don't know if anyone else can do that in the game, but she can. Well, they start the game and uh, and Tweety just kind of like backs off a little bit and plays at ranges where Sonic Fox just 
can't necessarily get something started, so has to has to take a few risks here and there. And Tweety is just so confident at moving away, at giving up the space, cornering himself, whatever. And but just like it's a weird confident retreat. And as soon as Sonic Fox took a misstep, opened himself up as he was trying to advance, anything like that, Tweety sprung with these, you know outstretched baraka arms giant swords protruding out of them right and just mauled them and then backed off and then we go back to that dance and it was some of the most thoughtful mortal combat that i've seen um, in, in a long time and i really appreciated it because here's this really high stakes uh, important match at the first huge major uh, that's not you know an invitational like summit of time and you're seeing someone play this uh this very thoughtful footsie game and, and I think that that's a very good testament to what the developers wanted to do mm-hmm. and with this game, the movement they wanted to make with Mortal Kombat 11. So I was really happy to see that. It was also cool to see you know, the, the underdog win, and, uh, and Tweety was so happy. He, he's, a, he's a pretty big dude, right? And so he wins, and he jumps up, and his friends kind of, like two or three friends jump on the stage, and he, like, uh, he, he, doesn't, like, he does this of his own accord, but he falls over, and he pounds the stage, and he kind of you know, rolls around a little bit, and just this expulsion of emotion, and it was cool. Like, everyone was like, that's really awesome. You know, we, Tweety hasn't been in our best regards as of late, but this was a really good win for him, and I think just about everybody was happy for him. And so, uh, so yeah, it was a really interesting kind of play out there. And then, of course, uh, Scar, I, I need to dig deeper into this particular match. I haven't sat down and watched the replays with a whole bunch of intent yet. But his match with Sonic Fox was also fairly slowed down and thoughtful, and he had really good anti-airs. And, um, and, and so I thought that the presentation of Mortal Kombat was very good at Combo Breaker for a very first real highlight at a major, which is what we're kind of used to here. Mm-hmm. Ed Boon's sitting there in the front row, man, and, and everyone kind of putting their eyes on this game. Um, and, and now that we've had it for a month and we're really digging into this big competition, I think it was a good showing. I think the story with Sonic Fox continuing to not... It's it's cool to see the the gods bleed a little bit sometimes, you know, and you don't feel so demoralized that oh no one can win this except for Sonic Fox, and it's like who's gonna get second place because that's what actually matters now. Um, no, it was it was a great turning, uh, it was a great turnout in multiple ways for MK11 at Combo Breaker. Yeah, I'll just add in here that it's so important um, what characters are showing up in tournament. And Baraka has not had the best of showings earlier on, um, but now as the game is getting you a little further into its lifespan. You are seeing him pick up quite a bit, and Justin Adaptive Trigger Gordon, um, he's known for Smash, but he plays Mortal Kombat 11 a good amount too, um, and he plays Baraka, and he's like, that's a very footsie-based character. That is a character that that you can fundamentally play and, and go and do well, and so as you're seeing him come on more in popularity, you're seeing more of the game's footsie aspects like start to shine as well too. And, yeah. and again, it's, it's why it's so important in these games that we have good character variety, and if you have such oppressive characters, like you're knocking them down or putting them in a way that they're not doing that so these other characters and players get a chance to shine with their styles, right? Um, yeah. I even remember back in Marvel 3, and people are going to laugh about this because of what happened with Chris G and, and some other players, but Marvel 3, when it first came out, was so rushed down dominant to the point where you almost never saw zoning teams. And then Chris G comes in and, you know, his Morgan, Doctor Doom, um, that, that shell, it completely obliterated that like just complete rush down style you know approach and i mean he was the most dominant player uh the most dominant player in marvel 3 you know period right um he had a longer run and a better run than anyone did in that game um 
And that is the beauty of having the character variety. So I'm, I'm watching Baraka here. I'm watching Tweety play him. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like that. That's great to see. It's great yeah. to see more of that that variety out there. This is what we're seeking. It's why we talk about this stuff with, with such passion and energy. It gives us these brilliant moments at Combo Breaker. You know, it yeah. gives us the opportunity to let this stuff shine. It's like, yeah, we want more of that. So One of the other things about Baraka specifically is that you're right, he starts off footsies, but in Mortal Kombat, I mean, just look at Fatal Blows, right? It's like single input of, of two buttons and you're lopping off like 35% of your opponent's life bar and, and, and such. It's There's some really devastating hits. And Baraka is a character that um, I, I he can he can do damage over time if he gets you with a specific stab move. And, um, and so when he springs forward, not only is it badass because he's like lifting you up as he stabs you through the chest and throwing you around and such, but the life bar just after it, it just melts. And then if he does the damage over time move, it continues to melt as you're, as he continues to put pressure on you anyway. And it just, it, it the payoff, that reward, it's a huge reward, but it's also like you feel like it was pretty earned so that makes that actual happening where that reward is paying off all the more exciting it was just it was a great thing to watch and if you haven't seen it go back and watch it also if you man combo breaker was so good man because top eight of tekken if you missed that you missed out go back and watch that that was amazing um and street fighter was great as well punk continuing is it was it was great combo breaker delivered it continues to do so on all fronts um the sky is the limit with this thing man all right, so you say that combo breaker delivers on all fronts. Do you also mean hecklers in the audience flipping off the player who won in grand finals? <laughs> <laughs> That's another story we wanted to get into here. Why don't yeah. you go ahead and set the stage with that and tell people what happened? Okay, so Punk, and first of all, is at his fourth premier grand finals of the uh, pro, uh, the Capcom Pro Tour 2019 season. He uh, ends up winning the whole thing. That puts him further than uh, twice as much points as Tokido has. So he's sitting with like, Tokido has just over 1,000 and Punk is like 2,400 or something ridiculous like that. So um, he's just absolutely, he's the best Street Fighter player, Street Fighter Five player in the world right now, bar none. Um, you, you can't touch the guy right now. Um, so he, he playing in um, top eight of Combo Breaker and he wins the whole thing. And afterwards he tweets out, that uh, that someone in the crowd apparently was losing bets because they were betting against Punk, and then they were mad, so they were heckling him. And all he said specifically was that they were giving him the finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't even say that they were necessarily yelling. I assume that was part of it too. And and he was like, "That's something needs to be done. Um, that that because that was mad. That, that pissed him off. And so that you know, we ran a story on that because there's been a conversation in the FGC about the audience affecting the players because they're so close and essentially like you know the players more or less emerge from the audience sometimes there's a top eight area where they'll be sitting and kind of off to their own area but for the most part you know it's it's the whole the two melds you know you don't walk back through the tunnel and go to the locker room where only you can go things like that and so you know the the people that are crappy or crabby you know throwing crabs at hungry box things like that every time something like that kind of happens this story or this discussion sort of comes up and it happened with punk which is interesting because punk is especially if you watch street fighter league recently he's all about the trash talk he's all about the mental uh messing with people and having trying to put them on tilt psychologically as as they play and uh and that's not quite the same thing here because this wasn't someone that was playing punk it was just someone out in the audience but this is a fairly tame example of someone heckling, right? 
uh, and and I it's weird for somebody that is so much about the psychological warfare to be thrown off by this. And he ended up winning the tournament, so I don't know exactly where this was coming from. I, I'll, I'll just throw out there that you're so vulnerable up there that if, you know, you guys have seen people rush the stage, you know, usually in celebration, we were just talking about it with Tweety and his friends, you know, going up there. Someone could rush the stage and, and you know, do some damage to you, like, at, you know, the blink of an eye, like you're focused on, you know, winning a matchup in a tournament. You, you have no protection over yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And if you feel someone is is giving off vibes of like, yeah, they're flipping you off, and but you're also worried that they might take it further, that's that's throwing you off your game right at that point and and i will jump in here and just say that that when punk talked about this on twitter uh, michael martin from capcom he said uh if anyone competing ever isn't comfortable about their situation in a competitive environment let us know and we'll do what we can to find a solution especially mm-hmm. if it's because someone in the crowd is overstepping boundaries which i thought was really good and, and just again uh most people listen to the pod know i'm a huge fan of the nba um the nba actually has a rule where if a fan is getting too intense with a player um that player can let security know and they'll follow up with the fan and, and kind of deal yeah. with it which i thought you know hey michael martin's taking a playbook out of the nba that's a great idea it's a proven business model right Right. Mm-hmm. So this takes the onus off the player and lets the security team who is hopefully trained on this regard, uh, like take control of the situation. Right. Like if they're if you know someone's keeping a close eye on you and they can boot you out of the venue or ban you for life or do whatever, you're, that's usually going to calm most people down a bit. Yeah. So. Um, so sometimes they, they just keep like in the NBA, sometimes they just keep a close eye on the fan. They talk to them or do other stuff. But if that fan has gone too far and they have, you know, video evidence or witnesses, they'll boot that person out immediately. You know, it's so it, it's there's a really good precedent here is kind of like what I'm getting at. And and this seems to me mostly like an educational issue with the players. Like they probably didn't realize they could say something to, you know, the TOs or the security staff and say, hey, look, like and maybe that hasn't been brought up. And it's like, OK, so let's let's, you know, communicate about it. let's talk about it and let them know this is an option or should be an expectation for the players up there, especially the ones up on stage um, at that point that, hey, if someone's getting too rowdy with you, like you can do something about it. Just let a staff member know, you know, and then they yeah. can get on the PA and, and do something something so it's a super healthy way of looking at it and i agree with you i think that a lot of times the conversation will go to well should the players be separated completely and be in their vip player area and we can see the feed and and that immediately gets people riled up and they go no never 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 and and i and i don't think we need to do that either i think that just having enough security and then like you said as these things kind of happen and as the instances occur then we remember and we go okay well what can we do about it and the players are more aware that yeah you could just go to a security member who hopefully we have a few security right and then then we can go you know the player talks to them the security kind of either gives the person the eye or it depends on the situation right it goes and says something or maybe they immediately kick them out but the point is like the communication is there and everyone knows that there is a line and they have a good idea of where that line is and what it takes to cross it and uh, and you're gonna have some prima donna players that whine about everybody and but but hopefully the security can discern and go you know that's that's not that's not crossing the line. You got to deal with it. You know, put your headphones on and, and, and play your game and go win, you know, $7,000 today or whatever it is you're going <laughs> to get for this. But um, yeah, I think that ultimately this is a problem that, that where the solution will emerge and we're already seeing it emerge, especially with Michael Martin, like you say, jumping on and saying, yeah, we'll, we'll get this going and, and, and we'll figure things out and, and we're aware of it. And, uh, and I think that the, uh, the, the, stuff you know the the rules for the capcom pro tour and all these tours will become more detailed and we'll figure this out so i'm not too worried about it and hey all's well that ends well punk still won so this wasn't some kind of you know an option select or a wine it was it was just yeah i didn't like this and let's let's have less of it
Yeah, and I'll just speak about you know kind of hiding players away a little bit more. Um, if you got front row tickets at an NBA game, um, you can go run up to LeBron James <laughs> and like be you know hugging him in like a five step you know process or whatever uh, pretty quickly and easily. Uh, and that's one of the biggest stars on the entire planet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is uh, you you've there are very few people uh, more popular than that guy, right? So um, it's I. The NBA, I don't know what they could really do about it with the FGC. I don't know what we can really do about it. I mean, we could put up little barriers or whatever, you know, but I mean, that's not really going to stop anyone for more than a second or two, right? Um, At least kind of like how we're doing, you know, looking at it. So um, I think, again, there's a model there that works pretty well for the NBA. It's something we could follow. And again, if, if you look at pro sports, like over time, they, they've had to deal with this stuff for years, you know, decades, um, sometimes a little bit longer than that, whatever. Um they oftentimes have great solutions for us to follow. So, Yeah, and we figure this stuff out with concerts and people being rowdy and potentially jumping up on a stage, things like that. And we've got that regulated pretty well. So I'm, I'm not worried about the FGC. Right, right. So moving along here, uh, we also wanted to talk on our last subject, and that would be Daigo's hitbox stick or the gaffro stick or however mm-hmm. you want to refer to this now. Or it's a stickless joystick, right? <laughs> it's yeah. actually just buttons with the directions. Uh, most everyone who's listening to this should know what a hitbox is now. That's what it is. Um, Capcom- so, so it's not a hitbox. It's because it's hitbox is its own company. Right, exactly. But as far as when everyone thinks, when you say hitbox, everyone just pictures the stick with all the buttons and no joystick. That's what this is. It's just made by a different company. Exactly. So Capcom rolled it out for Combo Breaker, um, but didn't seem to set a decisive ruling here for future events. Kind of like they, they left it, man, was their statement ever like murky. And I remember Dream King, like he had to read over it, like I think like 20 times. He's like, I think this is what they mean. <laughs> it mm. was it was not easy to pick up on. That's sometimes what Capcom, you know, puts out there. Um, but you've you followed the story very closely. Like, what are you seeing out there? So the issue was that, and, and Daigo brought this up himself, and, and if he didn't do that, he probably could have gotten away with just using the stick for who knows how long. But the there have been problems with hitboxes before, or, or I should say there have been problems with hitboxes or, you know, joyless, joystick-less sticks in that, like, for in Marvel, you used to be able to hold, I think, both directions down at the same time because... You know, on these sticks, you press a button to go a certain direction as opposed to move the stick, right? So you can press left and right at the same time. And one of the early issues a few years ago was that would cause you to block in both directions, I think. Right. And so you exactly. could just, you would never be opened up. That's obviously a problem. Now, um, they, they changed that, I think, just to, I mean, every, every stick has to have... Uh, some kind of an answer to what happens when you put multiple inputs in right and so i think they changed that to like where if you're holding both then you just get neutral and so you're not blocking at all and that's like okay cool that's a good fix to it well daigo stick doesn't quite do that but it essentially lets you do some like glorified charge partitioning is what it kind of feels like where whatever the second input you push is um like if you press left and then you press right and you're holding both the stick reads it as whatever the second input is um, and so I, I think that's what it is. Essentially, it allows you to, and it allows you to do charge moves extremely quickly. And the way these games have been designed is that a lot of times charge characters have uh, better properties on their moves, but the reason why that's okay is because they they require a little more of your other resources, your movement and your time and such in order to pull them off, and that's what balances them. This essentially lets you um, do charge moves without ever having to let go of back 
And by that I mean you can be holding back the button to charge up your sonic boom, for instance. And then to do that sonic boom, all you have to do is press the forward button and a punch. And you never actually have to let go of that back button. So you press the punch and you I mean and the forward button, and then you're still holding back and immediately ready to, well, begin charging that next boom or that next flash kick or whatever. And uh, you're you're essentially skipping having to go through that neutral phase with, with the stick, right? Or um, even with a traditional hitbox, you'd have to you know press forward and then go back to pressing backwards. This just lets you hold it down. And with a character like Guile or with charge characters in general, you can see how that emerges as a bit of an advantage. And I guess the question is, is it too much advantage? So anyways, this stick is is under kind of review as to like, this seems like it gives an unfair advantage, especially to charge characters. And of course, Dago plays Guile. And so that was kind of the, the issue here. People were talking about whether or not this should be allowed. You know, Daigo even being around in the community for as long as he's been is, uh, of course, super on board. And he thinks we should be able to use this stick and such. And a lot of other people are, are saying no because it gives you an unfair advantage and it lets you, you know, do sonic boom super quickly and uh, flash kicks and things of that sort. And that's basically what been what the conversation has been since he kind of brought that up uh, before Combo Breaker. And to me, when I first saw this, I go, it's a no-brainer. It feels like this is a very obvious um, uh, buff innately to whoever's playing. I, I feel like this should be banned and it just shouldn't really be a thing. But not everyone thinks that. Uh, some people think it's like, well, there's controllers, there's arcade sticks, there's there are things like plinking. Like, where's the line? And it's it's another one of the situations where. And let me let me throw this in here real quick for a little bit more context. And that would be on the PlayStation Four, you could use the um the the stick, and you can hold back, and you can do the same thing, right? Like you can uh, now you oh, have on the, the pad controller. Yeah, you, you mean? can you hold back on the pad, and then you can use the analog stick um to to press forward and to do sonic booms as well. I saw a video of, of someone doing that, so it's still possible on a pad. I've mm-hmm. heard of players doing that, but like the the third hand you have to grow to pull that off is a little bit you know difficult. Right, and if you're pulling, I mean, yeah, that that still is something probably that should be regulated. But yeah, it's also. What are you sacrificing to set yourself up to do that? Is it really all that efficient, and is it ultimately going to help your gameplay? But I think there's no question that it, it does here with the gaffro stick. So we talked about this on Best of Five, and uh, Steve, Ace King Offsuit, who won the um, who won an award for being an awesome community member at Combo Breaker, I should shout him out there, and he totally deserved. It. I don't think anyone disputes that. But anyways, he said that you know we have things like golf where people bring different clubs. We have things like, you know, the equipment that people use in different sports. Sometimes everyone shares the same, you know, basketball and football. But sometimes you have uh, different kinds of bats that are used in baseball. And, I mean, there, there is a line, right? You can't put cork in your bat, Sammy Sosa. But there, there are little alterations that you can make. And, and you're just, basically it's, well, you're trying to find a line between what is allowed and what is too much that gives an unfair advantage or that uh, takes away from the uh, uh, showing of skill between two players, I think is the most fundamental thing that we're looking at here and that's being detracted from potentially. So I guess I wanted to turn it over to you and ask what you think, you know, based on how you've seen the situation, what you know about it so far, if this kind of a thing, and you've, like you said, you've been doing this for what, 28 years. You've seen a lot of different developments in the way of fight sticks, arcade, all that stuff. Yeah. I've, I've seen the situation before. And I mean, it's very clear 
on the U.S. side of things, we've already banned this. And we went through like multiple tournaments, especially for Marvel 3, where, again, as you mentioned, it enabled you to block in both directions and that eliminated cross-up mix-ups, which is not good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can get the same benefit in the Street Fighter titles because of the way that game reads inputs, but still there are benefits that aren't intended, right? And, and then so there's a bunch of things that aren't always intended by developers that, that show mm-hmm. up. That's normal. But this one, I think, crosses a line because of the established norms we've already made on the US side of things. And the hitbox makers back at that time, if I remember correctly, they responded to this you know, feedback. They're like, hey, look, we didn't intend for people to be able to cheat with our device. This is a great way to play fighting games. It has advantages, it has disadvantages, but this is you know, overall very, very good. Um, Tried out, do it, and, and you know the community was very upset that you know you could essentially quote unquote cheat with this, right? So they patched it out. It's no longer an issue, um, and this battle's already been fought. Like, and it was fought back in Marvel 3's days. And it's like, look, unless there's very, very, very strong evidence that this should, like, you know, be allowed, and I don't know what that would be right now. Um, I think that I think the um, the precedent has already been set. And just well, I think be- with mm-hmm. something as drastic as being able to block in both directions, that's that's clearly beyond the line. And I don't think very many people would argue that. You might have some, but I think it's not hard for the majority to meet and vote and go, okay, that's too much. But then you have something like like plinking, where you can get an extra input, and that might help you do combos a little bit better. Um, that's not so much a thing in Street Fighter Five because most modern fighting games is just easy input but you can you can plink my, my argument there is like you can plink on anything like you every device can plink so like you can't block in both directions on any device because you can only hold left or right on most mm-hmm. other controllers um uh, you literally have this controller that is capable of this feat and i'm not sure of any other one that is capable of it because you can't hold left and right at the same time this feels similar to when you know you talk about arcade sticks versus controllers or pads I was always told, or, or I always understood, that there are advantages in using an arcade stick over a pad. I think the first thing that comes up there is like plinking. It's like, can you even really plink effectively on a pad, or do you have an advantage, some innate advantages of using an arcade stick over a pad? It's a matter of. It's really a matter of opinion. Uh, for for my like playstyle, I cannot do 360s on pads. I do not understand how players do that. But mm-hmm. some of our best uh, 360 players ever have all played on pads. Yeah, and it just it really does depend. But yeah, you're fully capable of plinking on there. It might be a little harder, you know. Um, and but some people might find it easier too. It really depends on what you learned on. Um. There used to be a very negative, negative, highly negative stigma of playing on a controller. If you yeah. played on a pad, uh, you were a scrub. We've talked about I it before. I went through that when I yeah. started in yeah fighting games. So there, a lot of misconceptions came from that because very clearly, I mean, our best Street Fighter player right now is Punk and he plays on a pad. You know, and yeah. uh, I mean, it, it's it was a ridiculous thing like back in the day. But I mean, I perpetuated that, too. It wasn't like I was like, oh, yeah, you know, pad players are just as good or whatever. It took me a while to come around to it because I was an idiot, you know. So yeah. um, I will just say that this is one where it just jumps out to me like you're giving one set of players an advantage no one else has. And then I just gave the the PlayStation example, right, of I mm. think he can do the exact same thing on the analog. So, you know, where does that line get drawn? Um yeah, uh, but again, I for myself, again, I, I go back to the 
this was banned before. Why should it be acceptable this time around? Because well, I think it's yeah. different now because mm-hmm. it's not that they're able to block in both directions. It's that you're able to like you know kind of hold a charge more efficiently and use it more efficiently. Right. It's it's the same thing though. Right. It's uh, the game handles it differently, but the um, the controller is doing the same thing. The hitbox people have just basically programmed out that that ability to hold mm-hmm. you know both directions, and they've made it do something else. And that's essentially what it does. And Gaffro's hitbox stick, he has not. Um, done that same process basically yeah so So, as far as answering the question should these sticks be banned i think that right now yes absolutely because the way i perceive things the way for as much as i know about fighting games and then street fighter specifically and and how this all works i'm not ready to let it through just yet now that said i think that there is a conversation that the community needs to have about this and we really need to need to dig in and obviously further um further define what our standards and, and expectations are so that the, it's it's detailed enough and nuanced enough that we can find a place for this stick on one side of the line or the other because it seems to be towing it pretty closely, right? And, um, and so I think we should talk about it. I think we should hear the arguments. I think we should figure out exactly what we want and then move forward. But for the time being, shelve that thing, man, because it's weird and it's different and who knows what can come out of it, right? So that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, you can hear both of us, you know, stumbling over like our thoughts on this. And that's because we haven't really dove into this and give it a very good and healthy discussion. Like even on my side, I can flat out admit it. I'm like, well, we've always banned it. So ban it more, you know, like, let's do that. And that's not good discourse, right? We're not carefully analyzing the situation and going. So I think the better answer would be let's ban it for the time being, as you suggested, and then really look at it, have a great conversation about it. That's what we should be approaching it as. And, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and that is a something we need to do better about in the fighting game community. Yours truly very much speaking about that, you know, for myself, right? Um, we need to get in and examine this subject. So, you know, let's come back to it and, and hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up, you know, in the comments of the story. Let us know, like, what you think of it. If you can bring some new angles and ideas to it of why, you know, it's acceptable or not, you know. And, and that's oftentimes how we're able to have a healthy and good uh, discussion and, and get in front of this stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's kind of one of the things that's emerging right now. Should hitboxes, and it's not a hitbox, that's just how everyone talks about it. Right. Should hitboxes, more specifically the Gaffro controller that looks like a hitbox and acts a lot like a hitbox, should that be banned? And uh, and yeah, I'd love to hear, I, I want to hear any and all comers, especially those that have you know something more to add to the conversation about it. This is why I think and, uh, and give me some actual evidence and details. But yeah, that's something that we need to discuss further, and I'm sure we will, and we'll come to a conclusion, and it'll be great. Poor Gaffro. I actually feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah. He made a really cool stick. I'm sure he, I mean, you don't have any idea until this hits you, right? Like, I only know about it because I went through it, you know, what, 10 years, not 10 years ago, but maybe uh, eight years ago, seven years ago, he probably had no idea this was a, a thing. And I was like, oh, crap. He's like, I didn't expect my name to be, you know, <laughs> kind of ran through the mud here with this. But hey, it happens. Uh, and we'll learn from it and get better. And, and there it is. So anyway, that's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Uh, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you soon. Thanks, everybody.